Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Colcast. I am your host, Chris Collins. It is Sunday. Beautiful, beautiful Sunday. My favourite day of the week. And I am live from the studio slash my uh, second home in Manchester. Beautiful, glorious Manchester in um, in the northwest of England. And <clears throat> it's been a hectic few days, as you've all become accustomed to by now, even at this early stage. I usually get these episodes out on a Thursday. That has obviously not happened this week um, due to a bunch of progressive factors, really. And it's, it's led me to the decision to not only do this podcast on a Sunday, but from now on, I'm going to record all podcasts on Sunday. Um, simply just because... Most fight fights and fight events, uh, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, etc., are on Friday and Saturday nights. So if I put it out there on a Sunday, it allows me to um, analyse, obviously, previous fights that have just gone on while results are still fresh in everyone's minds. And it gives everyone, hopefully, something entertaining to listen to, um, some, some fight talk on a, on a Monday morning when you're on the way to work, or on your commute to wherever you may be going on a Monday morning. Um, and just means it's out there in the world uh, very early on the week. Gives me uh, a full week then to obviously break down anything that is coming coming up on on the following weekends as well in terms of fights and fight events, and I can just keep on top of uh, the news as it's coming in as well. Uh, weekends tend to be a hot spot for, for, for news coming in, especially in the MMA world. So, yeah, the permanent decision has been made. These will be coming out on a Sunday from now on. Apologies that... There was no episode on Thursday this week, but this is episode four and I will be carrying on weekly from now on, uh, late on each weekend. Um, and that is a promise. I will be sticking to this. So without any further ado, another crazy week in the fight world. Lots been going on in terms of fight events um, past and future. So, some more coming up next weekend as well. Obviously, we've just had UFC 230 um, a couple of weekends ago, we are just fresh off UFC Denver. Um, we've obviously had Bellew fighting Usyk in the boxing over the weekend as well. And we've also had 1FC. 1FC starting to uh, pick up the pace again with um, the Heart of the Lion event, which was on the Friday night, sort of early Saturday morning here in the UK. So without further ado, let's get into the news events. And the first one up this week, obviously following on from... UFC 230, Daniel Cormier obviously picking up the win in the main event against Derek Lewis, defending his heavyweight belt. And March has been reported for the proposed Cormier and Brock Lesnar fight. Um, obviously, Daniel Cormier at this point will be and should be a heavy favourite. Um, it's, it's been sort of touted for a long time, hasn't it? Brock Lesnar coming back. We've seen the pictures of him starting to look a bit softer. Uh, maybe not as as chiselled as as we've become accustomed to with Brock Lesnar. Um, su- supplements having anything to do with that? I'm not. I'm not going to speculate on that. Obviously, Brock's only been officially popped once. Uh, something that Mark Hunt wasn't happy about because that was following the UFC 200 uh, main event fight between him, himself and, uh, and and the big Brock Lesnar. But 
Yeah, Brock Lesnar, he's starting to look like he's winding down, cutting weight to, to, to make a UFC return. Um, it's something that his uh, his management in, in the WWE wrestling world hasn't denied. Uh, everyone's adding fuel to the fire. And obviously, he made an appearance in the ring after Cormier's last fight as well. Um, once Cormier won the title, there was a bit of a scuffle there between them, sort of adding even more fuel to the flame. So you should see that fight. Next, I think, um, at this late stage of Cormier's career as well, it's the fight that he wants. And Cormier's been a stud for the UFC, uh, everything that he does, and the fact that he's only ever lost to John Jones, he's beaten everyone that they've put in front of him. He's he stepped up on short notice. You know, I like the last fight that that's just happened against Derek Lewis. Uh, he's always been a big company man for the UFC, and he thoroughly deserves his his cash cow sort of big dream matchup now against Brock Lesnar. Um, Analyse that one a bit closer to the time if it is announced officially, but it should be a, an easy Daniel Cormier win that. Um, Dillashaw, TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo has been announced for UFC 233 on January the 26th and it will be after much speculation for Cejudo's flyweight title. So there has been some rumours that the flyweight division will be folded. I'll get onto that um in this podcast actually a little bit later on we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit deeper but uh, it was speculated that Cejudo would be moving up to 135 that it made more sense for him to do so obviously in my mind thinking about it really he would be jumping the queue I think at 135 there are other contenders that are more deserving so it, it, it thoroughly makes sense for, for TJ I think to drop down um, there's not really a clear cut contender now at 125 especially with Demetrius Johnson going over to 1FC I think Demetrius Johnson would have been the fight and the rematch would have been the the logical fight to make um, had DJ stayed but now obviously DJ's gone isn't really much going on at 125 in terms of contenders. Uh, a couple of guys there, obviously. You've got the likes of um, Sergio Pettis and Joe Benavidez, but you know the the guys that Cejudo's fought before, um, and there just wouldn't be much fanfare or interest in those at this point, I don't think. So, Dillashaw and Cejudo for the flyweight title, UFC 233. Again, analyse that one. Uh, a bit closer to the time, but that's going to be a, a very interesting fight. A lot of factors are going to play a part in that fight, um, and whether it goes to Dillashaw or Cejudo. So, great fight, great fight. Really happy that's been announced. Um, the the big news story this week, really, um, this deserves a section on its own. To be honest, is uh, the the Floyd Mayweather circus and surrounding him and tension. That's a cower. So. This all started, it came out of the blue, Floyd just all of a sudden appeared on a Japanese news station somewhere in a press conference with Tenshin Nasakawa, um, his management, Nasakawa's management and the team from Ryzen saying that Floyd would be fighting Tenshin Nasakawa on their New Year's Eve card. Um, yeah, shocked everyone. There's a lot of fans... Um, Especially in the West here, uh, you know, UK, US, etc., who've obviously never heard of Tenshin Nasakawa. Tenshin Nasakawa, for all of those of you who don't know him, is he's an animal. He's very, very talented. He's a sort of, do you know that friend we all know who started doing a sport at like minus four years old? 
and has never really had a childhood or a teenage years or anything. He's just spent his whole time being moulded in the gym, doing that sport and 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 being pushed into training 27 hours a day and then all of a sudden they just come out like 18, 19 and just bossing everything and they're like in the Olympics, you know, they're in the World Cup if they're a footballer, etc, etc. We've seen them all before, haven't they? These proteges that you get in these sports where they just start at a super, super young age and they just end up being technically brilliant and Tenshin Nasakawa is one of those. He's he started kickboxing at a very very young age. He's one of those guys. He, even in a sport like kickboxing, who's just a supreme striker, he'll attempt things that you've never even seen. He'll execute movements that you didn't even think were possible. He's a big, 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 big um, talent over there. He's gonna be. He's gonna be really important for Ryzen. I think in in terms of market marketability and, and marketing to the rest of the world. Um, obviously they're very big in the in the Japanese and Asian market, but. He's an accomplished uh, MMA fighter at this point now as well and obviously fancies a bit of a flutter into boxing because now he's got Floyd Mayweather's attention, or so we thought. So that press conference happened. Floyd Mayweather then touched back on American soil and decided to announce on his Twitter, or his Instagram rather, that he'd been duped, that he'd agreed to a nine-minute exhibition, three three-minute rounds, for a um small bunch of um wealthy businessmen, uh, a wealthy crowd of people, uh, basically. So it's to be a just a a money making exercise, and that when he got to Japan, it turned out to be a big thing that Ryzen had set him up on, and that it was being announced as a, a worldwide fight that was going to be aired to everyone, and that Floyd didn't know about it. I don't know what's going on to be honest. I don't really care. I don't think a lot of people care. I think everyone's over Floyd Mayweather now at this point. I think the last bit of interest he got, <coughs> excuse me, was from the Conor Mayweather circus, um, the Conor Mayweather, Conor McGregor circus rather, um, and that all stemmed from the fact that I think a lot of people wanted to see Floyd lose, and everyone else, myself included, were interested in. In, in what Connor would offer in, in that fight because it was such an intriguing fight, Connor being such a, a big talent in, in in striking the MMA world. But no one's interested in this. There's not enough fans um worldwide attention that's a cow, not enough people who know who he is to make it a big deal. Uh, it's just another money making exercise from Floyd. Whether it happens or not, I don't think enough people care. If it does happen, great. And uh, I won't be watching the fight. Um as talented as I think Nasakawa is it's going to be a boxing match and Floyd is fantastic at boxing. Give him credit where credit's due. He's one of the best of all time. He's certainly the best defensive boxer to ever do it. And Nasakawa's is just not going to beat him in that world. Not at all. If it was a kickboxing fight, I'd watch it. If it was MMA rules, I'd watch it. If it was some sort of skill skill set, some sort of rule set where uh, Nasakawa was allowed to use uh, knees or kicks or elbows in any way shape or form I'd be more intrigued but it's going to be boxing it's going to be Queen's Ferry rules and I'm not interested so swiftly moving on to something I've already mentioned briefly the flyweight division being dissolved in the UFC this has come from uh, Jose Torres this week obviously Jose Torres um recently moved over to the UFC unbeaten at the time uh, lost that unbeaten streak in the UFC has two fights left in his contract, I believe, and has been released 
as well as a, a bunch of other flyweights apparently and not been given the chance to move up to 135. The reason Jose said was that the UFC was dissolving the 125 pound division. I think this is something that we all expected and we knew was coming. You know, the the division's been struggling for ratings for a long time. People just don't seem to be getting on board with the flyweights. Whether that's... There's been a lot of reasons banded about, to be honest, um, that they're too small, that there's not enough finishes, that the UFC's not pushing them enough, that they don't have a star in that division. To be honest with you, I think all of it's kind of contributed and, and, and led to the state that the division's in now, which... He's not great. There's not a lot of contenders there. There's not a lot of interest in in it from uh, enough fight fans, I, I guess, for the UFC to feel like they have to keep it around, which is a shame because there are some there are some super talented guys in that division. There have been some fun fights, um, but I suppose you have to be a, a bit of a hardcore fight fan to 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 appreciate what's going on at one twenty five in the UFC at the moment. So Jose Torres and a lot of the other flyweights are, are being released. Um, I think you'll start to see them go over to 1FC, to be honest. That looks like it's going to be the new home for, for flyweight for the 125ers. Um, and I, I guess a, a select few will be kept around to, to go up to 135. Probably, you know, your likes of Cejudo, um, Pettis, who I've mentioned already, Benavidez, who I've mentioned already, Huseo Formiga. Um, I, I don't think... I, a lot of people outside of the top five, to be honest, will, will be kept around. Like I say, a select few. Uh, some have already moved up. You know, the likes of John Lineker used to be at 125. He's obviously now a, a staple at 135. And I think 135 will become the the, the lowest weighed um, men's division now. Uh, and I, I think it'll stay like that for good. Shame, but like I say, not a shock. We all saw it coming. Ben Askren. He's been a... Bit of a permanent fixture in the news recently, and he has reportedly got his first fight in the UFC at UFC 233. The card that will be headlined, or it looks like it will be headlined by Dillashaw and Cejudo, and he will be facing ruthless Robbie Lawler. Great, great fight. Real test for Ben Askren. The, the toughest test he's ever had in his career, no doubt about it. Uh, for Robbie Lawler, really not an easy fight to come back to and um, obviously he's been out for a, for for a while with with injury his last fight he he lost to Rafael de Sanos um, how compromised he was in that fight from the injury that he had I don't know but you you know he didn't look great against RDA he'll be looking to come out of a vengeance it, it is a winnable fight for Robbie Lawler of course it is Robbie Lawler can win any fight that he's in you know I'd never count him out against anyone but it's it's going to be set up to be a showcase of Ben Askren. This, I think, um, I can see Ben Askren being a heavy favourite, and we'll an- analyse that again a little bit closer to the time. But I think Ben Askren um, takes that one, uh, and the reason why I say that so so surely is because just just because of how Robbie Lawler's um, looked over the last couple of years. Obviously, he had that amazing run. While he was the welterweight champion, um, winning it against Johnny Hendricks and defending it in the manner he did, you know the fights against McDonald, um, his fight against Carlos Condit, one of the best I've ever seen, especially a one seventy. How much that took its toll out on him, I don't know, but it looks like we're starting to see the results of that now, and you know it's gonna it's gonna be tough for Robbie Lawler to bounce back, 
um, especially if if he loses to Ben Askren. So tough one for Lawler, really is, um, but also a tough one for Askren. Like I said, we'll analyse that in a lot more detail closer to the time. But great fight, great addition to that card in uh, in January at the end of January. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone, um, speak about how he did over the weekend uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but he's indicated that he's going to move back to lightweight. Fantastic decision, I think. I think he's a bit too small for welterweight. He's obviously struggled against the division's elite, um, and he is a true lightweight at the end of the day. Until the UFC makes the 165-pound division, uh, where I believe Cerrone will really be at home, um, he definitely belongs down at lightweight at 155 and I think he still beats a lot of a lot of the guys down there at 155 and there's so many good fights down there for him you know if you ever got to the point where he fought Khabib great fight would you watch him against Ferguson absolutely him and Connor unbelievable fight um, and, and then outside of the top three there you've got the likes of Kevin Lee would be a fantastic match uh, Ally Aquinta what a fight that would be so many good options for him at 155. Really glad that he's going to uh, cut the extra £15 and go back down to, to, to lightweight again. Great move from Cerrone. Uh, last news of the week, really, is uh, all the shenanigans surrounding John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson. Um, obviously, a very entertaining press conference between them two, talking about their end-of-year fight at UFC 232, and uh, then a little bit of a, of a pushing match there as well. Um Obviously, no love lost between the two. They've been sniping at each other uh, for a long time, ever since their September 2013 classic, uh, UFC 165 classic, uh, for the light heavyweight title. A fight that I believe Gus won, but a lot of people saw it the other way as well. Uh, really close, close, close fight. The, the judges saw it for Jones in the night. Obviously, that's all that matters, and we've been waiting for them to face off again ever since. So... That's going to be a great fight, and you're starting to see the the tensions build up between them two now. So it's going to be some really um, it's going to be some really good um pre-fight shenanigans from them. I think uh, like there was at the press conference, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that one progresses with those two. So we've just had another big weekend of MMA action, and um, not just MMA action, but boxing as well. Let's kick off with 1FC, um, obviously Heart of the Lion, big event was on the Friday night slash Saturday morning, here for everyone in the UK, um, what time zones they were on in other areas of the world, I'm not sure, I apologise, I don't live in other areas of the world, so I can only speak from my own experience and the times that I have to stay up until to, to watch these events, but... I digress anyway. Great event, 1FC. Um, it was obviously headlined by the big fight um, rematch of, you know, the uh, fight a long, long time ago, Kevin Belling- Bellingham um, and Bibiano Fernandez. Bibiano Fernandez has obviously been the king over in 1FC for a long, long, long time. Um, he's been unbeaten since 2010, 14 fight unbeaten streak. Um, Kevin Bellingham obviously been unbeaten ever since he was beaten by Bibiano Fernandez, and managed to do the unthinkable this uh, this past weekend, and actually beat Fernandez by split decision. It was a very entertaining back and forth fight. I thought watching it back, I've watched it back twice now. I thought the first time that Bellingham won the fight. I thought the second time 
that. Maybe Fernandez shaded it. It's one of those where if Fernandez was given the decision, you couldn't have been angry at it. If Kevin was given the decision, you couldn't have been angry at it. It really was that that close a fight. I think because of how dominant Fernandez has been for so long, the next fight you'll see for both of these men is each other again. And why not run it back? Because it was a hell of an entertaining fight. It's now become a great trilogy. The one on one, one apiece. Um, you know, let's see who the real king is over there. Elsewhere on the fight, uh, on the fight card, Christian Lee, Angela Lee's big brother, big in terms of weight, um, KO'd Kazuki Tokodomi. It was a nasty KO, to be honest. Um, Christian Lee, not just because he's Angela Lee's brother, he, he's a star in the making. He's super, super talented. He's just violence personified and and this is another impressive impressive win for him. It's another impressive feather in his cap. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what 1FC do with, with Christian Lee next, but he's um he's one to watch, he really is, especially for all those guys in the UK. Um everyone everyone in other countries and especially in the West listening as well that may may not keep up with one FC events too much. Christian Lee really is a, a hot prospect, so you do well to 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 stay tuned and and, and see what happens with him. I, I suspect they'll probably do a, a brother sister combination for his next fight and put him on there. This the same card as Angela Lee. Um, obviously Angela Lee was supposed to headline this event. Yeah, Angela Lee, she's the atom weight queen over there in uh, in in the one FC promotion. But she she had to miss out on this because of uh, injury. But I think the smart thing marketing wise to do would be to stick those two on to uh, onto an event in the the not so distant future. And I really do think Christian Lee is going to be a, a big 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 problem over there for a lot of guys. In other areas of the card, not too many big fights, but the other two that I'll I'll, I'll speak about, obviously you had Georgia Petrosian, um, he defeated Sogra in the Kickboxing Super Series. Uh, nothing unexpected, to be honest. Georgia Petrosian, super slick striker, highly, 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 highly talented. Um, so technical, he's, he's untrue. Some of the things that he does... Uh, He's just beautiful to watch sometimes when he strings combinations together. And he had Sogro in trouble in, in various moments in that fight. And, you know, it was a comfortable a comfortable win for him in the end. Um, elsewhere on the card, you know, you had Tiffany Teo uh, defeating Michelle Nicolini. Uh, Tiffany Teo and Michelle Nicolini, both stars, uh, future strawweight stars in sport, I think. Uh, obviously, Tiffany Teo was coming off her first loss um, to Jinglin Xiong, where she lost by T- TKO. Um, and this is a good comeback fight for her. She, she's rebounded well. It, it wasn't all plain sailing. Uh, you know, Nicolini gave her a, a lot of problems in various areas of the fight. Nicolini is obviously a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu phenom. Uh, five and two herself. Uh, it's been super impressive in, in her career. And it's not too much of a setback, to be honest. You know, Nicolini did, did look good in parts in the fight. And uh, I think... These two really do have high um high ceilings over there um in one FC at one fifteen so uh stay tuned again to see what these two do in the future and, and what one FC uh, does with these two girls but great fight um very entertaining Tiffany Teo uh coming away with the uh with, with the win in the end elsewhere this weekend switch over to boxing briefly for a second obviously we had the big boxing bout at the weekend was uh Alexander Usyk against. Tony Bellew, heartbreaking for me as a Brit to see Bellew lose, but 
it was expected. He wasn't expected to really cause Usyk any problems, really. So for him to be arguably winning the fight at that point in the eighth round was impressive. It, it just speaks volumes to how good Tony Bellew is and, and how great a career he's had. Usyk, you know, call it bias, but I don't think Usyk has really been that... It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound really bad, and people are probably gonna be screaming through the phones, going, "Oh, what the fucking hell are you talking about, Chris?" But I don't think he's really picked up the signature win yet. Obviously, he's had good wins. He's beat Marco Huck. He's beat Bradis. You know, Gassiev was a good win. Mike Hunter was a good win. He's he's got the the, the pedigree there. You know, he's got all the titles at cruiserweight. Um, he was obviously Olympic gold medalist um, in the 2012 games at heavyweight. The thing is, he just his opponents weren't. They weren't fantastic opponents. They weren't. He's never had that win that's really sort of like pushed him over into superstardom. Um, that win there, you could say like, right, he's beaten that guy and he was a top, top quality guy. Tony Bellew for me was the first guy. He was that top, top quality guy that he's added to to his resume. You know. Bellew before Usyk, he lost twice. He'd lost very, very early on in his career to, to Nathan Cleverley, a fight that he avenged later on, and to Adonis Stevenson, which, you know, there's no shame in losing to Adonis Stevenson. Adonis Stevenson is a fantastic fighter in his own right. The guys that Bellew's beat, you know, you look at the Maccabi fight, BJ Flores, he was the first person to knock out BJ Flores. Um... Isaac Chalembo was it was a fantastic win. Bellew really is world class. Um, former world champion. Obviously had a mess about the last couple of years in his two fights with with David Hay. Same mess about, but you know you know the big money making fights, uh, especially here in the UK for the UK market and fans. Uh, a lot of the UK fans wanted to see that fight, and then they obviously wanted to see the rematch because of the way that the first fight ended. That's fair enough, but it's tied him up for a couple of years and. Uh, 30, he's late thirties now. Bellew, it was difficult for him to come back um, and expect to win against Usyk, but didn't he give it a good go? And he gave Usyk some problems early on. He looked confident. He looked fantastic, to be honest. And that's what makes this win for Usyk so impressive: the fact that he beat a very game, very fit, very motivated Tony Bellew. Um, it might be the best that I've ever seen Bellew, to be honest. Early on, those first three, four rounds, he looked fantastic. And you see, you know, putting down in the eighth round, knocked him out. That it speaks volumes to how good Usyk is. This was the performance I was waiting for. This is the one that's going to put him over into superstar, like, like I mentioned before. Um, and especially now in the UK market, you know, he's, he's known to UK fans now, now that he's knocked out one of our best and one of our own. So... Fantastic performance by by uh, by the man from Kiev. Commiserations to Bellew, but a fantastic career, Tony Bellew. You know, uh, one of the best British boxers to do it, especially at cruiserweight. And wish him a happy retirement. Really do. It was a fantastic fight. Very entertaining from start to finish. Um, and both men look brilliant. Had my respect anyway. So, however much that counts to them, I don't know. But USC two thirty. Let's just. Briefly visit this one again. Um, 
because I've not actually been over this this yet. It's the first podcast I've done since the event last weekend. Obviously, in the headliner, you had Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis, as I briefly mentioned earlier in the podcast. Cormier um, submitting Lewis in the second round by rear naked choke. Completely expected. Um, I did have some reservations about Daniel Cormier's hand. They weren't big reservations. It, it was just a fact. That, the reason why I mentioned him is because they could have played a factor in the fight. Um, but... Being realistic, Derek Lewis only had one one chance to win the fight, and that was to land a big right hand somewhere. Um, and Daniel Cormier didn't even give him an opportunity to do it. He just put him on his back early enough and got him tired, sunk in the rear naked joke in the second round, and that was all she wrote. Cormier now he's obviously looking like he's going to get his fight against Brock Lesnar, and you know what else can you say? He's one of the best to ever do it, Cormier. He's beaten everyone, like I say, not called John Jones. In impressive fashion, he looks better and better every time he goes out there in the octagon. At, 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 you know, pretty much forty years of age now. He's a fantastic fighter, fantastic personality, brilliant for the sport. His commentary is fantastic, and you know, this guy just seems to be the limit for for Daniel Cormier at the moment. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him in 2019. What he gets up to and what he can achieve. The co-main event, Jacare, um. And Chris Weidman, rough one for Chris Weidman, but pretty much the same as we, we've come to see from him in the last few years during this rough stretch. He'll be winning a fight, he'll be winning a fight handily in some occasions, and then all of a sudden he'll just get caught. And Jacare didn't half catch him in the third round with that brutal punch that just knocked him down. And, you know, referee was, was slow to step in. Jacare, complete gentleman that he is, didn't want to put Weidman through any more pain and than he needed to. It was a brutal punch. I, I wrote Jacare to be honest. I thought Chris Wyvern would win the fight. I mean he was winning the fight up until that point, but for fair play to him. He he landed that big bomb that I said he'd need to land that I thought he would need to land to to win the fight. And I think the next step for Jacare now is a title shot. I, I said Chris Wyvern should get the title shot before this fight if he won. I think Jacare should get the title shot now for beating Chris Weidman um, and it's, he's obviously just got to wait now for the for the winner of uh, Kelvin Gastelum and um, the, the, the current 185 uh, kingpin Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Australian Rob um, but he's been beaten by uh, both of those men and whether, whether he wins that fight I don't know we'll break it down here at a time but Jacare should get he should be the next in line for me absolutely without a shadow of a doubt so uh, we'll just see what happens with, with the timeline of the the, the, the the 185 pound division really and when we can fit that fight in for the title Cannoneer and Branch bit of a shock um, Cannoneer not a lot of people knew who he was they definitely bleed and know who he is now he absolutely starched Branch in the second round. He, he didn't even let it really go that far into the round before just clipping him um, and knocking him down. And That's a bad loss for Branch, really. Um, for Cannonier, on the other hand, though, straight into the top 10 slash top 5 at uh, the middleweight division. It's going to be interesting to see what the UFC does with him uh, in 2019, but expect to see him again early 2019 in, in a contenders fight. Robertson um, and Marshman, next fight down on the card. Not really much to say. Robertson, you know, battered Jack Marshman from pillar to post. It, it wasn't pretty. Um, 
and Robertson, you know, he's he's arrived at, at middleweight, hasn't he? Um, where he is in the division, I don't know. I don't really know where Jack Marshman is, to be honest. Um, he's been flip-flopping wins ever since he went over to the UFC. Jack Marshman, obviously, former Bama champion, former Cage Warriors champion. Um, highly talented, highly, highly talented fighter, but he, he didn't look good here. Um, whether that was on him or just for how good Carl Robertson was, I don't know, but... Robertson will obviously get a step up in competition next time out, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, again, expect to see him in early 2019. The MVP of the night top performer has to go to Israel Adesanya in the last middleweight fight of the card, the one that kicked off the main card. He put a beating on Mr. Brunson. Um, Brunson just couldn't get him down which I feared for him uh, was forced to stand up with Israel and Israel just you know let him up like a Christmas tree the, the the switch kick that he hit him with that you know was the beginning and the end was beautiful his striking's a joy to behold it really is um, I found my jaw on the floor to be honest watching him put, put combinations together in there against Brunson and you know it's it's party time now for for Israel Adesanya. He's only going to get the big fights now. There's there's been talk of him facing Paulo Costa, and there's been thoughts thoughts of him going in straight into a a title fight against Rob. There's been you know some suggestions that he's going to get Luke. Uh, you know that that's Luke Rockhold. God knows what they're going to do with him next, but it really is. It's going to be a top contenders fight. If he's not a title shot next, he's going to be another one contenders fight for Israel Adesanya. Uh, after that starting of Derek Brunson, Derek Brunson's one of the top guys in the division, and he really did just make him look like he didn't belong in there with him. Super, super impressive from Adesanya, and um, really looking forward again, like everyone else in the car, to 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 seeing him next year. Uh, elsewhere on the card, we had uh, Ronaldo defeating Knight by pretty dominant unanimous decision. Surprising, really. I thought Knight would um, bounce back in this fight. I knew Ronaldo would be a, a tough opponent, but Ronaldo really did look fantastic. Just controlled the fight from start to finish. Um, and that, that's quite a few that Knight's dropped now in the UFC after after quite a good start with the promotion. What the UFC does with him next, I'm not sure. But, you know, Ronaldo definitely needs a, a top 10 opponent now um, another top 10 opponent now for his next fight um, he's looking like he has the makings of a contender to be honest you just need to see where, where he fits in um, uh, in the division next year so I'm, I'm looking to I'm looking to see the UFC set him up with with a solid top 10 guy uh, I think top 5 might be out of his reach at, at this point but top top 10 guy at that division should, should be able to tell us everything that we need to know about Ronaldo and where he stands at the moment in terms of his talents Sajara Eubanks defeated Roxanne Modaferi by unanimous decision, which she was expected to do. What she wasn't expected to do was miss weight in the process and sort of look like a, a whiny, unprofessional baby, really. Uh, it wasn't a good look for Eubanks. The fight wasn't great. I got the impression that she could have finished Modaferi a few times. Modaferi's game, she's always been tough, but she's not an elite level fighter. I know that's cruel to say, especially coming from me, who is also not an elite level fighter, but she's just not. She's especially that weight class, just not. Modafer is never gonna threaten, you know, for the world title. And this was Eubank's big opportunity to make a statement, especially after making the news recently, you know, 
with the news that she was going to headline the card against Shevchenko and then the fight being scuppered and she, she was kicking off about things and saying she was being treated unfairly. So to miss weight and then not come out with a very impressive performance isn't great. She won the fight though. You know, that's one positive to take from from the week and we'll see if she can kick on from that next year. Lyman Good defeated Ben Saunders by vicious first round knockout. Lyman Good you know, not to not to play on the name, is good. He's a former Bellator man. He's fought some top guys before. The worrying thing about this fight for me, it wasn't so much um good looking as good as he did. It was more the the fashion in which Ben Saunders was finished, and that's quite a few times now that uh, Saunders over the last few years has has lost fights in 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 vicious fashion, and it might be. I'm never one to. No one should ever be anyone to to tell anyone to retire or to walk away. But it might be time for Ben Saunders to look at that, and it really wasn't. Uh, it wasn't easy to watch that. Um, and what you do with Ben Saunders next, I don't know, to be honest. I think the UFC will cut him at this point. And it's whether he wants to carry on with his career in MMA, I suppose. Super talented guy, Ben Saunders. Great striker, obviously fantastic submission game. Um, Eddie Bravo guy, a 10-point jiu-jitsu guy. But he, he didn't look good in this one. Um, and it was a rough one to watch, so... No matter what he does, I'm wishing him all the best for the future. Uh, Lyman Good, solid addition to to the division. It'll be interesting again to see what the UFC does with him um, going forward. Frivola and Vanetta, another big fight on the card. Obviously, Lando Vanetta, I, I spoke highly of him in the last podcast. Uh, I still speak highly of him now. Super, super entertaining guy. Um, and this was a fantastic fight, to be honest. Back and forth. Ended in a majority draw. Run it back again. Let's see them fight again. Why not? You know, when two guys draw, it should just be an automatic thing that they they, they face each other again. I, I think I can't see any other factors that would ever come into it to 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 stop that from happening in any situation where two guys or or two women draw for that matter. So uh, let them run it back again. Super entertaining fight. We might get three more rounds of of brilliant, beautiful violence and and a clear winner next time. So win win all round. Only other results to speak of on the card. Shane Burgos returning to winning form, uh, defeating Kurt Holabar um, by armbar in, in round one of that fight. Shane Burgos, um, you know, big talent in that division. Uh, I I think he's ready for at least a top 15 in, in his next go-around now. So I'll be looking to see the UFC book him against a, a top 15 contender next time out. Um, again, much like Ronaldo, we'll, we'll see where he is. Um, in that in that division, once he he gets a guy, um, a, a name that we all know, um, a, a bit of a stiffer test really. No, no disrespect to Kurt Holabar, it's just Shane Burgos was was clearly the better man on the night, um, and just a better fighter overall, I think. So, good result, um, great performance. Obviously, I'm by round one, got out of there without any damage. Book him again, early two thousand and nineteen, and let's see where he's at. Future events, future events. So, I will do future events before I break down UFC Denver and what happened um, this past weekend. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time on that, but uh, we'll just go over some of the things that are coming next weekend first. Um, 
First one up is obviously 1FC Warriors Dream. I just wanted to discuss a couple of fights on that card. Uh, first off, the um, Kickboxing Super Series, Nikki Holskin fighting uh, Cosmo Alexandre on that card. Um, Nikki Holskin, for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know who Nikki Holskin is, superb kickboxer. Um, nasty, nasty kickboxing slash Muay Thai. Uh, he's beaten some of the very best, you know. He's he's beaten Raymond Daniels. He's beaten Joe Valtellini, um, Carapetian. He he's beaten. He, he's also beaten Cosmo Alexandre before, although it was a long time ago, two thousand and ten, I believe. Um, the thing that makes his fight interesting, though, is Holskin's on a bit of a rough stretch. Uh, he's he's lost twice against Cedric Dumbe. Um, he he lost against Alim Nabiev before that. You know, his last win wasn't. Um, it was 2016, I want to say, uh, against Groenhart, Metal Groenhart. It's been a while since he's tasted victory, um, and I don't know how much that would have affected his confidence, to be honest. Especially with Alexandre, where he is now, you know, he's on a five fight uh, winning streak. Um, his last three, he's, he's beat Compton, he's beat um, Choi Feng, he's beat Knuts. Um, Choi Feng, rather, he's beat Knuts. Um, you know, he's beaten good guys before. John Wayne Parr, he's beaten quite a few times. Um, the aforementioned Groenhart, he's picked up a win there as well. It, you know, Alexandre's riding high in confidence at the moment and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough, tough fight, I think. But I think Holskin will pick up a decision win if I was to guess at anything. Um it is a tough one, this really, because when you got one fighter who's riding high in confidence, like like Alexandre must be, um, and Holskin who's, you know, not old but he's thirty four now. He's still younger than Alexandre, but Holskin thirty four now. Yeah, you know, he's had a rough go of it recently. Um, he he was in the Super Series of the boxing earlier this year as well. Um, knocked out. He was he was a substitute in that. He was knocked out. Um, of that tournament by Callum Smith, he lost lost by unanimous decision to Callum Smith. But we all know how good Callum Smith is. Look at what he did to George Groves. Um, he just had a rough stretch of it recently. I just don't know if he'll have the confidence to to overcome Alexandre. But I'm a big fan of Nicky Holskin. He's super super talented. Uh, I really do think he's going to rebound here um, and pick up a decision win. So I'm going to say close decision, but workmanlike decision from Nicky Holskin in that fight. The main event of this card for the welterweight title, Sebastian Karastam against Tyler Maguire. Um, Karastam, you may have heard of before. Uh, he lost once upon a time to Ben Askren, who hasn't. But um, his, his last three fights, obviously, Ben Askren sandwiched uh, a couple of wins, obviously against uh, Luis Santos a couple of years ago, nasty KO and knees, uh, and, and his last time out uh, against Aglantani. He come back from a bit of adversity back and forth fight um, and managed to, to to finish that fight in the third round um, nasty combination punches and elbows so he, he is ready for this he's, he's more than deserving of this title fight um, but I don't think he's going to win it the guy he's facing Tyler Maguire highly accomplished, accomplished grappler very very good on the ground um, very adept submission artist 13-0 um, and, and picked up what many thought was a surprising win against Luis Santos last time out. Obviously, Luis Santos challenged for the 1FC welterweight title once upon a time, but 
it wasn't surprising to me. Tyler Maguire, super, super talented, and he just controlled Santos, really, from, from start to finish in that fight. He just made it very uncomfortable for him, imposed his game, and showed superb top control, even though Santos managed to get back to his feet a couple of times. Every time he did, he just ended up on back on his back again. So uh, I think you see in this fight a decision. I think Tyler Maguire wins by unanimous decision. I think he just takes Kadistan down um, round after round after round and just beats on him. I don't think he'll get the finish, but I think it'll be a very uh, impressive uh, and dominant unanimous decision for the American. Elsewhere um, happening next weekend is the... Big fight, really, uh, between um, the big UFC event uh, that's been headlined between um, Neil Magny and Santiago Ponzinibbio. A um, couple of good fights on the card. On the main card, six-fight main card, you've got... Um, or five-fight main card, rather, you've got Cynthia Calvillo against Pollyanna Botelio. Um, Cynthia Calvillo, obviously the last time we saw her was uh, her losing that split decision, or that unanimous decision, rather, to Carla Esparza. Which she was not happy about at the time, was she? Yeah, before that, she picked up a couple of decent wins. Um, she was on a bit of run actually. She she beat Amanda Cooper, uh, Pearl Gonzalez. The the biggest win she's had in her career is arguably um, Jojo Calderwood. Uh, um, she was looking good up until that fight with Carlos Esparza. Um, a loss to Carlos Esparza, especially in a fight which was quite close. Nothing to hang your head on, you know. Carlos Esparza, former champion at at one fifteen and. You know it'll be a learning a learning curve for Cynthia Calvillo. Um, absolutely, you have to learn from a from a loss like that. It would have been a good experience for her, um, and I'm I'm fully expecting her to to win this fight against Pollyanna Patelio. Uh, Pollyanna Patelio in her UFC career so far, she's also beat Pearl Gonzalez. She had the the nasty knockout over Sayori Kondo uh, last time out. Beautiful body kick that she landed, um, but but I think uh, Calvillo is gonna. Not Mauler, but I think very similar to the Tyler Maguire um, fight with Kalistan that I've just predicted for 1FC next weekend. I think Calvillo is just going to dominate. I think she's just going to close the distance, make things really uncomfortable for her and just um, impose her will, basically. I think you're going to see a unanimous decision win there for, for Cynthia. Next fight on the card, Guido Canetti versus Marlon Vera. Um, Canetti... Nothing really much to write home about. He's he's flip flop wins and losses in the UFC. He lost to Henry Briones and Kyung Ho Kang, both by submission. Um, his two wins that he has picked up against Hugo Viana and Diego Rivas have been very unremarkable decision wins. Uh, and he's fighting a guy who, you know, Marlon Vera has flip flopped wins and losses in the UFC too. Um, he'll be very familiar to UK fans uh, from his two fights against Davy Grant, which he lost uh, quite a while ago. And his fight against Brad Pickett, Brad Pickett's last MMA fight, uh, his last fight in the UFC, um, which heartbreakingly for us he won by knockout um, with that head kick and punches. But he, he's beaten, he has beaten good guys, Marlon Verrett. You know, Brad Pickett, great guy, even though at the end of his uh, career, good fighter. He, he took John Lineker to, to a decision. Um, he's beaten Brian Keller, who, who's, who's obviously a very accomplished fighter of that weight class. I think Marlon Vera wins this. I think he wins it by second round TKO. I just think Canetti, you know, he's a decent fighter, but I just don't think he's on the level of Marlon Vera. 
Um, I think Marlon Vera has been in there with better. I think he's beaten better, um, and I think the the difference in skill, um, in skill sets is going to show um, midway through the second round. I'll say by TKO. Next fight on the card, your possible fight of the night, Khalil Roundtree Jr. against Johnny Walker. Uh, Johnny Walker getting his shot here in the UFC after beating Henrique Da Silva um, on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, before that, uh, TKO Cechone, um, knocked out Makoviak, um, knocked out Stuart Austin. Um, Stuart Austin, again, another familiar name for, for UK MMA fans. He's an knockout artist, um, and that is something that Khalil Roundtree Jr. is also a big knockout artist. Khalil Roundtree Jr., you may recognise his name. He's the man who sat Gokan Saki down in his last fight. Um, won that fight by knocked the fuck out, basically. Um, he, he's beaten Paul Craig in the UFC. Um, picked up a good win against Daniel Jolly. He has got a ceiling. Um, you know, he, he's beaten by Tyson Pedro not so long ago. Um Pedro winning that fight by stoppage, but nothing to hang your head on. Tyson Pedro's a very, very, very good light heavyweight. Um, this is going to be an entertaining fight. It's just going to be who knocks each, who knocks the other one out first. And I'm gonna go with. Difficult, but I'm going to go with Roundtree Jr. Just based on the strength of competition that he's faced. Slightly better than Johnny Walker. Um, and I think he'll, his confidence will be high after knocking out Gokan Saki. So uh, I'm going to say Khalil Roundtree Jr. by first round knockout. That's my prediction for that one. Co-main event of the evening. Ricardo Lamas versus Darren Elkins. Um, very similar styles. Very similar fighters. This is going to come down to who imposes their will. Um It, it, it This is difficult because two years ago I would have said Ricardo Lamas. But Ricardo Lamas has never been on a bit of a dodgy skid as much as he is at the moment. You know, Ricardo Lamas has always been... You've always been able to rely on Ricardo Lamas for beating everyone who's not a top, top contender. And arguably you can still say that. So in the UFC, he's lost to Aldo. Obviously, nothing to be ashamed of. Chad Mendes, Max Holloway, current champion. Then came the Josh Emmett fight, which was a bad knockout. It was a bad, bad knockout. Um, and then Mursad Bektic, you know, even though it it was a close-ish fight, Mursad Bektic still won that fight. And it's worrying. It's worrying now that... You know, as good as Emmett and Bektic are, that Lamas is starting to to lose against the these up and coming guys now. You know, these guys that two three years ago he would have been knocking back, he would have been turning them back and sending them back to the to to the start again to to the outer realms of the top fifteen to build themselves back up. Um, and I think this is a winnable fight for Elkins to be honest. Uh, I know he lost last time out against Volkanovski, but before that, you know he. He beat Whiteford, he beat Chas Skelly, um, Godofredo Pepe. He obviously had that fantastic knockout that would come from behind knockout against Mercer Bektic. Dennis Bermudez, he beat, um, split decision, close fight, but you know still a win, a fight that I scored for Elkins. Choked out Michael Johnson. Darren Elkins just seems to be the one with the upside at the moment, and I'm going to say that Elkins gets it done by split decision. I think it'll be a very, very close fight, but I think 
Volkanovski fight aside, his confidence will still be high and he'll think that he can beat Lamas. Um which is going to be the big difference here. I think Elkins is just going to grind grind him out. He's he's going to grind harder than Lamas is going to grind. Um for want of a better way of putting it. Um split decision. Don't think it'll be a very entertaining fight, but I I see a workman like split decision win there for for Darren Elkins. Main event, Neil Magny, Santiago Ponzinibbio. And with this one, I I think it's quite clear cut who's going to, even though the betting lines are sort of close-ish at the moment, I think it's quite clear cut who's going to win this fight. Neil Magny is a good, solid welterweight, but when it comes to the upper echelon of the division, he tends to falter. Now, he is on a two-fight win streak, but that is against Craig White, who not many have even heard of and is not the most remarkable fighter we've ever seen. And Carlos Condit, who is quite clearly in the, the, the roughest stretch of his career at the moment and doesn't have a lot of confidence at the moment. Um, before that, he, he lost quite viciously to Rafael Dos Anjos. He picked up a win before that against Johnny Hendricks, although that was still a Johnny Hendricks that was way past his, his best. And then before that, he was mauled by Lorenzo Larkin. Ponzinibbio, on the other hand, is 8-2 in the UFC, ever since he came over to the UFC. Lost his debut against Ryan LaFleur, and then just reeled off win after win after win after win. There was a Lorenzo Larkin lost sandwich in there. No shame about that. Lorenzo Larkin is an elite guy at welterweight, even though he struggled at Bellator recently. But the, the guys that Ponzinibbio has beaten... Um, Specifically in his current run, you know, tough guys like Court McGee in there, Nordin Taleb, uh, Zach Cummings, and then you're starting to see the these better guys, ones at the top of the division now, made Mike Perry look ordinary. Um, you know, not, I know Mike Perry's not an elite guy, but he's very dangerous all the way through any fight, and it just didn't look in any danger against him whatsoever. Um, and the big win for me was the Nelson fight, um, you know, the knockout of Nelson. As controversial as it may be, he got it done. He got it done very quickly. Uh, and I just think Santiago Ponzinibbio is a guy who's on the up at the moment. Uh, very much like Elkins. Um, or like I said with Elkins uh, before this. I think Ponzinibbio's got a lot of confidence. He's on a six-fight winning streak. Uh, and I think he's going to get it done. I'm going to say by decision. I think he's just going to outstrike and outpoint Magny. Um I'm going to say a 48-47 decision. I think Magni, you know, with his fantastic cardio, will come on come on strong late. Um, maybe land a couple of takedowns, particularly towards, towards the end of the fight, end of the, the fourth, start of the fifth, um, and start working uh, on the ground a bit and start start wearing Ponzinibbio down. But I think the damage will be done by then. I think Ponzinibbio is going to string some good combinations together, land some big power punches, and um, I think he's just going to build up a lead that Magni can't catch. So... Decision for Ponzinibbio there. Uh, I think that's the way that one's going to go. Now, reverting back, um, we'll end the, the podcast on a high. Just wanted to talk briefly about what happened um, with, with UFC Denver this past weekend. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic event. Re- really was good. Um, don't think there was a bad fight on the card, to be honest. Just a couple of things that I wanted to mention before I address the top two fights. Um, 
Mike Trezano looked fantastic. I thought Luis Pena was going to win that fight, but Mike Trezano really, really did look good. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting watching him going forward. Macy Barber's a good addition um, to, to the roster. Hannah Cyphers, you know, I watched an interview with Hannah Cyphers um, th- this week before before the event this weekend, and she really did just look like a rabbit caught in the headlights. Uh, she just did not look like she was dealing with the pressure well at all. I don't know what was going through her mind, but uh, Macy Barber just absolutely mauled her. Um, it, it was a bloodbath in the end, and it, fantastic win for her. She, she obviously moves to, to 6-0 in her career now, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing her fight again. Um, you in other areas of the card, you obviously had uh, Jermaine Durandamy um looked decent against Pennington. Uh, Pennington's uh, weight issues and uh, her body language at uh, the weigh-ins worried me. I did think she was going to lose this fight. Um, and Jermaine Jermaine Durandamy looked good. Um, what happens with her going forward, I don't know, because Jermaine Durandamy's obviously not been the most popular fighter over the last few years, especially what happened after beating Holly Holm in her last fight, and then. Um, effectively running away from Cyborg and dropping the title. So, you know, what, what she does at 135 now, I don't know. Or even if she goes back up to 145, maybe she'll find some uh, some strength, some inner strength from somewhere and decide at 145 for her again. Who knows? But it was a decent win for her. Um, and that's pretty much um, the, the highlights from the other areas of the card. Top two fights... Donald Cerrone, Mike Perry. Um, obviously, this fight's had a, a little bit of a backstory to it with, with what's been happening with Donald Cerrone leaving Jackson's and, and having all this trouble there and Mike Perry obviously stepping in and everything that's been going on in the scenes. It's been an entertaining fight week between them two. Um, Mike Perry, whenever he's involved, it's always an entertaining fight week, to be honest. I did think Cerrone was going to win the fight. You know, There's a clear difference between the quality of guys that Cerrone has fought and beat and the quality of guys that Perry has fought and beat, and Cerrone just showed the difference in skill levels, you know, pretty much straight away in the fight. Just got him down, um, submitted him in the first with the armbar, nasty, nasty armbar. Um, what you do with Perry now at this point, I don't know. That's quite a few that he's lost, and he, we've seen his ceiling now. I don't think he's ever going to be a title contender at 170, but he is a very entertaining action fighter, and... He could be that changes, you know, he's at a good camp now in Jackson Winkle John's um a camp that's gonna develop his skills. Uh good training partners down there as well that are gonna make him better. So so we'll see if, if Mike Perry can, you know, add some skills to his repertoire and, and become better down the line. But Donald Cerrone, really impressive performance, most winningest fighter in, in UFC history now, and going back down to lightweight where he belongs, so Look forward to seeing him face probably a top five guy uh, in early 2019. You know what Donald Cerrone's like. He likes to be active. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him next month, to be honest. So keep an eye out for him. And the main event. My God. Have you ever seen a knockout like it? And I know emotions are high. But that is the best knockout I have ever seen in any combat sport, ever. It was ridiculous. The fact that he even had... The fact that Yair Rodriguez even had the audacity to throw that elbow, expecting it to land, is just unreal. And for it to happen in the last second of a fight that he was losing, it was just... 
and the fight itself was unbelievable. I mean, you know, back and forth at times. Obviously, the Korean zombie was winning the fight. Chan Sung Jung was winning the fight. I I had it scored, um, three rounds to one, uh, going into the into the last round, um, I thought the last round was, you know, very back and forth, and it just it just goes to show you what type of fighter Chan Sung Jung is. For for him to know that he must have known that he was winning the fight, and for him to just throw. All caution to the wind and just run after Yair Rodriguez like that, trying to land bombs. He's just, you know, we were lucky. Fans watching that fight were lucky to be watching it. It's one of those just fantastic fights you see every now and again. Has to be a fight of the year contender. Um, I can't think of many better fights this year than that. And and that knockout is definitely knockout of the year. Knockout of the century. Knockout of my life that I've ever seen. It's just a ridiculous. I don't even know what to call it. Bent over. Ducking, rolling, back elbow to the chin, not the Korean zombie out clean, face planted the canvas at 4.59 of the last round. You know, Yair Rodriguez, what a man. The struggles he's had with the UFC over the past 12 to 18 months. Um, his last fight wasn't great. You know, he, he was mauled by Frankie Edgar um, back in May 2017, May last year. And he just looked absolutely superb. Um, he he was losing the fight, but you know to finish the fight and believe he could finish the fight, uh, and throw that in the last second. The confidence he has, he just shows what a star he is. And UFC really do have a star there. I really want to see him. Everyone's clamoring to see him face Zabit Magomedsharipov. Uh, I'm I'm reluctant to I'm reluctant to see the UFC book those two together just because I don't want them to kill off stars. You know, I think Magomed Sharapov's a star as well. I, I think that could potentially be your title fight in the future. Um, there's no ceiling to these two guys, to be honest. Oh, yeah, Rodriguez proved that on Saturday nights last Sunday morning. and You know, everyone's going to be wanting to watch his fights, um, particularly watch his next fight after that performance and that knockout. Korean Zombie, tough one. You know, he lost this one. His last fight was a great win against Dennis Bermudez. Before that, we'd not seen him for for about five years. We we'd not seen him since you know his failed title bid against Jose Aldo. Um, before that was his fight of the year in two thousand twelve against Dustin Poirier. That that just shows you how inactive the Korean Zombie's been. I'm hoping we've got him back now. It was a nasty knockout, which I think he needs some time off to recover from. Um, all being well, let's see him in summer next year. Let's see him against another top ten guy. You know, an Iraqi fighter at one forty-five. Um, loads and loads of guys that they could pair him up with. Korean Zombie. You're always going to watch him, no matter who he fights. He's going to make it a fantastic fight. Uh, and you know, there was no shame. His stock's not really dropped, to be honest. There was there was no shame in losing the way he did. He went after Yair, even when he didn't have to. He he put his um he put himself out on his shield and. I don't think he's dropped too far in that division, to be honest. He's going to be a threat and he's always going to be in title contention. He's always one or two wins away from title contention. So, just a fantastic fight. I can't I can't speak much more highly of it. It was just a, a brilliant fight. The perfect fight to mark, you know, the UFC's 25th anniversary um, in the place where it, it originally began in Denver, Colorado. And unbelievable knockout, unbelievable fight. Two great stars, um... All the fans went home happy. I certainly went to bed happy. That was just a, a fantastic, fantastic event. Um, and the perfect way to end this podcast, to be honest. Um, and I'm going to end it on that note. 
Uh, it's been a pleasure breaking down a bit of a bumper podcast this week, but it's been a pleasure breaking down all the news, um, past events and, and future events. We've we've had some we were treated to some good combat sports last weekend. Uh, we've got some some good combat sports again coming up this weekend, obviously with the UFC, um, and, and with one FC as well. Some great fights coming up. Um, like I say, or like I said at the start of this podcast, this will be a regular occurrence now on a late weekend, uh, late Sunday slash early Monday. So uh, as long as I have a podcast ready for, for you guys and, and, and lasses who, who, who regularly listen to the podcast uh, on a Monday morning ready for you to start your work week um, or whatever you're doing on a Monday, uh, that's all that matters to me. That's what I'm going to endeavour to uh, to stick to and adhere to. And um, I, I apologise again that this podcast didn't go out on Thursday as promised, but plans changed and this fits in a lot better with my my timeline and my lifestyle uh, i'm hoping and um, i've tried to apply some logic to it that it'll it'll fit in a lot better with everyone else listening to the podcast as well and i really do hope you enjoyed this one and um, this has been by far my favorite podcast to do uh, just because of how much you've been treated to over the last seven days or so so that is it from me for this week uh, for another seven days uh for looking forward to the events next weekend as i mentioned um Another week of crazy news, I'm sure, as well, in the uh, MMA slash fight world. Um, as long as it's not about Floyd Mayweather and his stupid plans to conquer Ryzen or whatever the hell he's thinking of at the moment. Let's just hope that Floyd Mayweather stays out of the news completely, eh? In fact, they might not even address him anymore, unless it's something big, like he's decided to do kickboxing rules against Nasakawa, in which case... I'm going to be basing all my future podcasts around that because that'll be fun to watch. My name's Chris Collins. You've been listening to the Colcast. Speak to you soon.